Observe. Welcome to episode eight of the Observer Report Show. I am Kyle Brennan, as joined always by my beautiful co-host Keith Sullivan. Keith, how are we doing today? I'm doing good, man. You doing good? I'm doing good. I, I the beautiful thing, the the way you call me, it it, it you know, it's a good thing because I forget that you do that, and it's just it reminds me, you know, well, because That's you're nice not just you a beautiful that. face, right? You're a beautiful soul. Yeah, and I remind people of that. Maybe yeah. who are only listening on audio, sure, that don't realize one how beautiful you are. You know, on audio, I probably I'm probably better. You know, you because got, yeah, you got a beautiful voice. You got a, <laughs> you got a face for radio, as they always say. <laughs> uh, but I wanted to start the podcast sure. with, with a question. So, a lot of people who listen are just like our friends and family, and uh, know how big podcasts are. But like, I'd say I learned a ton about podcasting just from mm. doing it yeah. for the first time. You yeah. think it's just two people just talking, and you're like, how hard can that be? And like, oh, another two guys starting a podcast again. But like. What have you actually learned from doing a podcast? Because it's definitely that it's harder not, than people that it's not think. just two guys talking. Yeah, that's what I've learned. I mean, uh, to be fair, it's not yeah. like fucking bricklaying, right? Like we're not like breaking a sweat and like. Right. But it it's just like it's harder than <laughs> what meets the eye of. Like, yeah, no, it's know. not physical labor, but it's you know it's 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 stupid little things that like you know look with with creating any kind of content with like you know microphones and video involved like there's a million things that can go wrong. And you, but still, like even going into this, I was like, "Oh, it's just two cameras, like two mics, like who fucking care, dude?" It it never ends. Like yeah. the technical difficulties are real, and they're there, and that's all from the technical standpoint. You're doing all like people don't realize you're doing all the video and production stuff. Like I'm just yeah. sitting here. You you text me like, "Hey, I'm coming <laughs> over at 7:30." I sit here in my chair, right. and you, you set up all the mics. Yeah, and there's, like cords going into laptops and. I don't even know what that thing's called, but <laughs> very fancy equipment. And yeah. uh, you've invested. This has been, mostly been all 100% your investment. So yeah, um, it's a, a testament to the to work you've put in. Yeah, but you know, like the, I had a lot of this stuff already. Like it's 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 music. My, I'm a music guy. I'm I'm a, I'm not a musician in the sense that I get paid to play music, but I play music. I played my whole life. So the cables, the mics, all that. It's called an interface, by the way. The oh, thing that you. the cables go into. Um, D, D to A converter, if you oh, will. Industry jargon. Yeah, there we go. exactly. But but you went to college. For I went to SRT. Audio. I went to Studio Recording Technology. That was my major in Nassau Community College. You know, it's like it's like Yale, but not exactly. Right. You know, and um, you know that was my you know my 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 thing in college because it's it's my passion is audio. Like this this is the thing is like I know it's I know I do all the production, but I would. I'm dying to do this, Kyle. Yeah. Like, this is my favorite thing to do. I love producing. I love content creation. I love editing audio and video. It's my fucking favorite thing to do in the world. Yeah, and I remember, like, the first few podcasts, you would, like, you would text me and be like, hey, I'm going to make a reel, and I would always be very reluctant. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't, like, don't want to, like, make you do work on the weekend. Right. And, like, you know, just, like, do the bare minimum. Just post a video, whatever. And you would go through all these complicated lengths to get, like, subtitles, make the formatting and the lighting right. Yeah. And, like, all this stuff, and it took me a while to realize, like, oh, I'm not making work for you. Like, you would no. do this. No, like, I'm even begging if I didn't you. ask. I'm begging <laughs> yeah. you. Like, I, I at first I had to cut back on asking you to do like more. But I was like, I want to do this all the time. But then but I, I felt bad because I was like, I'm not doing shit. Like, I want to. Yeah, learn this but stuff you don't too. have to. You know what you did? You started observing rapport. Right. Like that to me is the th like I, that's what I was waiting for this whole time. To be honest with you, is like. You know, I, I could have started this podcast with I have a lot of friends, like I have a lot of family members, like anybody I work with, like, but 
I didn't want to just become two guys who talk about nothing, mm-hmm. you know? And, like, you have a what would you call it like a a brand that you're pushing or so and or, I th- or, or, so to speak yeah and I, and I think you're actually touching on a point of like what is observer and poor like yeah I, when people ask i'm just like oh i recommend books i talk a lot about reading but i really think a lot of it is i think you put this in like the youtube show description which was like a better description than i could ever come up with which was like you know a a channel to discuss wisdom passed on from from books history and other forms of media right and i think me and you do a lot of that but i also think observer report is like just pursuing your passion right? yeah like i don't know what you observer know what? Rep- i don't know what observer report is i just started it like you look at my first posts it's me like rock climbing doing a triathlon like i posted like a video of a kid playing guitar like it was just shit i'm i love and i'm passionate about yeah and then over time i was like oh i'm really passionate about books and that's the thing i would do for free and yeah. for you you're passionate about audio and making well, isn't that funny like, yeah. i've never heard you put it that way yeah and your passion called my passion out of me and brought me to you like it, it, you see how that they spoke the same language <laughs> yeah. there and whether and i didn't even realize it but that's what happened i think that's exactly why we're here and yeah. I, I love... We're like, both pursuing our passions. I love when people like... You saw it a lot over the pandemic. You know, people would start their, you know, their personal Instagram page about making mocktails or something or their, sure. their Instagram page about reviewing cowboy boots. And you're like, you're like you get what? a follow request. Yeah. You're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> but the ones that last are the ones where like, I appreciate when it's like someone I went to high school with that now yeah. is like reviewing, you know, cheeseburgers in Manhattan. Right. But if they're passionate and nerdy as fuck about it and aren't shameful i'm like fuck yeah that's awesome totally do you man like that's great i have a girl i think i think she went to high school i think she was a great younger than me cooking with callie i follow her she cooks food and like films herself cook and like i'm always liking and i'll share it even like it's like i totally believe in you know just i i like watching other people do what they love to do at the same time i've heard people call it i mean it's it's definitely not (laughs) what me and you are doing but you have uh, pages on like TikTok or Instagram, people call it uh, competency porn. So it's, sure. it's like these these videos. I think you've talked about it. Like the guy who uh, cooks yeah. like over a fire in the yeah. woods, where he's just like he's so competent, and so skilled with it. like the knife and like the right. cutting and right. and like the sound that you're just like, oh, I could watch this all day. Like yeah. I don't give a shit about a guy cooking fire uh, over fire in the woods, but it's so well like right. well done and well crafted that you really just appreciate it for what yeah. it is like you've seen like videos of guys like just making pottery oh. and i'll just watch it for like dude for like 20 minutes and i'm like why am i watching Prime, this guy pr- primitive technology <laughs> yeah. on youtube dude the guy he, he'll, he'll i'm talking about he'll walk into the wood dude i mean the jungle with nothing not even clothes and he's just he goes he'll go like that and then he's like, the, the video will be, you know, a hut with chimney and stove. Dude, this guy with clay, mud, dirt, and twigs and, and wood will just, I swear to God, make a whole home. Oh, I've seen this. The, and, and Have you seen I, the one where it's like the two like Native American looking guys? They dig out. Oh, that's crazy. The, the, and the two they, guys, yeah. when it's two of those guys, bro, yeah. they can build a little a whole resort. Jamie, pull that up. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they pull a whole resort together, though. These guys with like shells and rocks and a, a waterfall and a pond, a functioning thing. Dude, I mean, no, that shit is ridiculous. But but yeah, I mean, it goes to show where it's like getting back to the, the show. things that like, yes, we, we just talked about this downstairs before we came up here with with my wife about 
you know, people our age now, you know, there's no more everyone works the same job for 50 years. Like everyone now has their their day job and then everyone, you know, if they're lucky enough in their spare time does their hobby. If right. it makes some money, great. But if not, like if me and you, me and you haven't made a dime, I haven't made a dime off no. of Server Report other than some affiliate ads I made, like 40 bucks. Right. But like I would legitimately, I had a week off in December for work, for like Christmas. I woke up every morning excited to just write. I started writing a book. I started writing articles. I was on Twitter. I like rebranded my like Instagram page like did all this stuff and I was like, I could do this all day, nine to five and, yeah. and more for yeah. free. I would do it every single day. I would do it yeah. Sundays, holidays. Like I love doing it. And people are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I don't know. I just, it's something I love. And you would do the same thing for exactly for what you're doing. Exactly. I mean, it's, you know, what, what really sucked was to be real for a second. Like when I was doing the music thing, you know, music is my passion as well. But I think I realized that it's not really music production it's production like i like creating things yeah. whether it's a, co- a a podcast or a video or music or anything like i like to create because like i don't know man i have this obsession with like mortality in a way where i feel like if you know we're finite you and me and as far as like the way i am anatomically put together right now there's a finite time limit to that but if you make something you know that can last, and people will talk about who made that mm-hmm. after you're dead and all that. And I'm not saying that that's that's the whole reason, but like I think that that's the 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 flame. That's what's fueling the fire. Is just like this obsession with like, you know, I like creating things that will that aren't like tangible. They're yeah. in a metaphysical space that like you know like the audio and the video. It's not really. You know, it's it, but it's there, and people can like I, you know, having a daughter is like also like that too. Like she's gonna see this one day. She's gonna watch, like when I'm not home, I'm working all the time. She's watching the show on YouTube sometimes. Like my wife will put it on the TV, and like she's like watching Daddy talk, and like, you know, and people also get this misconception that the podcast is like, what are you just like watching yourself talk? You like, oh, you, you know, not that I've heard that. Like people have been very, we, all, I've only received positive feedback from this to be honest, but like. It has nothing to do with that, you know? It has everything to do with just there's something that calls to you. Exactly. Like for you. Yeah. There's something that just, you can't ignore it. It's, it. You know, you can't just go, well, I'll just do it. Like it, you, to, to me, like it literally eats away at your to happiness. Me, to me, it's like, like you well, have yeah. to let this thing, you have to feed it. You can't just ignore it. To me, it's like when you're really hungry and you just need to eat. That's exactly, that's to why, me, that's why the I same use thing. the feed analogy. I mean, it's the same since, thing. since we were little, right? We yeah. were always drawing. We were like, doing art we were playing music we always needed showing some, each other music we like, needed some outlet to be like to express ourselves isn't this awesome through art or show we yeah we would always show each other art whether it was like funny videos or movies or or music and content like, tommy makes fun of us and he and does you and your friends because like every song we listen to we'll be like this is the greatest song yeah. ever <laughs> because we just like appreciate like yeah we can appreciate the little notes and subtleties of like movies art drawings yeah. and and books and like yeah like you said it's like a it is like the feeling of hunger for me when like i said i i would literally get up in the morning to go write yeah and it's like what are you going to write about I'm like i don't know i just feel this yeah. urge inside of me no you dude it's that, like you're gonna, it's like it's like you got to take a shit and you're like i i got to go to the i i have to go like i, I have yeah. to like it it gets like that it yeah, does yeah you, you hear like uh like famous musicians like uh 
Keith Richards, just like the riff to like mm-hmm. to uh to like a Rolling Stones song, and he's just like, I, I just need to I need to get up and, sure. and go play this, right? Yeah, it's you, like the same thing. It's like you can't control it, and it's almost like I ca- I call it a I do call it a curse sometimes because in the sense of a curse, like it's not like it's like oh I'm creative, I get to like enjoy and create and like oh I'm gonna make a podcast episode. Like, listen, do you understand the work? the effort, the meticulousness, the judgment you place on yourself. Like also like you like you said like I have to I have to tend to this. Mm-hmm. So other things in your life, like you'll be like and I'm not talking about like family and stuff like that, but like you have to figure out how to make everything work. It's kind of like a curse. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like you know, it, if you do cuz if you don't, you'll be like legitimately sad. You'll be legitimately feeling empty. Like you you have to feed this thing. So it's kind of like but again, I don't want to call it like it's all negative, but you know, being creative isn't like this like thing you're bragging about. That's my point. Like it's like just part of who you are, and it's like all right, I got a part of my quirk, got to deal with this. Yeah, and I, I just read Rick Rubin's book, uh, The Creative Act, which is literally all about exactly what we yeah. just talked about, and he has so much. A lot of people joke about like, what does Rick Rubin do? Right, because he's this f- famous like he's not a producer, like he doesn't actually make music, or uh, he's just more of like a creative guru. Right, he's mm-hmm. done music for like Johnny Cash and Jay Z and Public Enemy and Red Hot Chili Peppers and Beastie Boys and LL Cool J and all these guys. He started from his dorm room at NYU when he was nineteen. Yeah, no, no knowledge, but he just has such a p- finger on the pulse of what it takes to do a creative act and how to treat the process properly, and if it's not working what valves to push or pull mm-hmm. when things aren't working. And one analogy he makes is, um, or it's not an analogy, but he basically says like, if you get that urge to create something like that impulse where you're like, I need to do it now and you ignore it. It's, it's not that, it, and you don't act on that impulse. You'll find when some time passes, someone else will have created that mm-hmm. in, in a few years down the line. And it's not that, they had the idea it was that that idea was ready to be made right so he almost thinks of it as like ideas are almost like radio frequency waves right. flying above us and when it passes over us it's our job to grab it and bring it down i believe freud thought that too yeah pharrell has this idea of he says we have a, f- a free library of ideas and we have a library card mm. but it's our job every day to go and check out a book Mm, I love. So it's that. like you have to go. You have to show yeah. up every day and try out an idea, mm-hmm. and it's gonna it might be shitty one day. But to, you know what though? To Rick Rubin, like he also has this. I believe that creativity as a quality of characteristic is it, like intelligence in the sense that it's 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 kind of like a crapshoot. Like a genius can be born to two people who aren't geniuses. And a creative person can be born to two people who aren't creative. Because Rick Rubin speaks about his craft and music in a way, man, where he really hears something that not everyone hears, too. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I agree with Pharrell in the sense that, like, we all have this ability if you wanted to. But I, I no one would ever actually act on it the way Rick Rubin did. Like, there is a, po- a part of him where you're like, what does, like, what did he do? He's, it's just, he's like an enthusiast. He's just yeah. he's a, super, a creative enthusiast. He's a basically. creative enthusiast. Like he, he he tells the story about going to clubs when he was young in college in the in the city and like just being totally in, encapsulated by the music and like he could not ignore it. 
that doesn't happen to everybody. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like he's a special person. Not everyone or no one almost can probably do what Rick Rubin did. You ever see that video of him? You know, it's it's funny. He like barges into the room and he's like he's like Jay. I gotta um. He's like Jay. You know, I, I was thinking like, why don't you? Uh, instead of starting with the beat, why don't you just kind of like 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 a poet talk the first lyric of you know I got ninety nine problems no no I, I if 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 you've got yeah, girl, girl problems bond. I got bad for you yeah. I feel bad for you son I got ninety nine problems and a bitch ain't one and Jay Z's like oh okay like that wasn't Jay Z's idea yeah. and that's iconic now just that nothing but vocal beginning like and how about like oh hey Johnny Cash like you're at the end of your life why don't you do a acoustic rendition of hurt by nine inch nails right like who thinks of that right you know what i mean no one would ever think that and, and it's so and and that his his, his obsession johnny cash's like, nine inch or uh cover of hurt has the, i think it's the most streamed uh one of the most streamed songs on yeah on spotify you know what i love about that fact because i've done this i, I wear my heart right here bro <laughs> i don't give a fuck i have cried to that song i can't even tell you yeah and I love knowing that it's the most streamed song on Spotify. I, I, that, you might have to fact check me on that. Well, whatever. It's like it might be the most streamed it's song on like Johnny Cash's page or something. Totally, like yeah. But it's 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 in the multi multi millions for mm-hmm. sure. And it's like so that just means that multi millions, multi uh, an incredible amount of people have also done that. You know, like they've everyone looks out the window on the train when that comes on when you're commuting and you're like, fuck, man, all the hurt, all the shit you've ever gone through. All those things you never did, all those people you never got to say that thing to, it all comes back to you in that moment. And Trent Reznor even said, who wrote that song, he said that that's Johnny Cash's song now. I don't, that's not a Nine Inch Nails song. That's awesome. That's a Johnny Cash song. He gave it to him. He was like, he did exactly what I wanted to do when I wrote that song, Mm -hmm. but I didn't, you know. Yeah. And like you said, he, Rick Rubin is just this creative enthusiast. Like his ability to just, um, he accepts the process of creativity mm-hmm. and he sees it from this almost like spiritual it's almost like he has a he he can see creativity around us yeah like it's almost like he has like a third sure or a sixth sense of the creativity like if you want to think of it as radio waves however you want like he sees it and he accepts when like the creative process is going slow and the artist starts getting frustrated he's mm-hmm. like okay let's Let's go a different path. Let's try something different, and then we'll come back to what we're doing now. Yeah. Maybe you have to let it rest today. Other days, you might have to go push a little harder and actually keep going down. Even though it's it sounds like shit, that's where you're actually going to find. Like, he just knows the, the right levers to pull, and it's crazy how much he knows. Some producers talk about that, like that last bit you just did there, talking about how the pain and it sounds like shit like sometimes that's actually right before that's like the calm not the calm before it's it, that's like when it's about to explode this moment mm-hmm. you know producers talk about that where especially with singers like you know you'll be up at like it's like 2 30 in the morning and the singer's trying to hit this note or something it happened with you know uh the guy from iron maiden in the night in the number the the, the number of the beast song um there's a huge high note he sings, man. And the, the story is like it's like 2.30 in the morning. He's been doing it all fucking day. Bruce Dickinson's his name. He's super fucking frustrated. He's like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. And because he was that angry and frustrated, he, he finally belts it out. And like the people talk about, like, you know, Nico McBrain, who, who's the drummer, he's in the studio. He was like, 
dude, we all like left our bodies. Mm-hmm. Like it was incredible what he did. And like Rick Rubin understands that. Producers understand that. That it's there's an effort in the human being to make this thing happen that is extraordinary. It's not something anybody can do. So you have to push for it. Mm-hmm. You have to get there, you know? And, yeah, and it's interesting. I, I mean, I see it on a small level when I just, I write. I try to write every day. And I, I probably have hundreds of drafts in like a, a saved folder that I haven't published yet, right? And like, let's say there's a hundred of them. 40 of them, I go to read. Like I reread them. And like, maybe this is something. And I'm just like, no, this is shit. Yeah. Or like, you know what? I wrote this a year ago and now it doesn't resonate. Like now, the Kyle now can't relate to that Kyle a year ago anymore. Like right. I, I've just changed. I don't agree with that version of me anymore, right? And I can scrap it. But then there's other ones where I'm just like, you read a couple lines or maybe just one sentence from it and you're just like, ooh, that's something. Sure. And you're like, I wrote that, you know, in October of 2019, but that one sentence now, you know, four years later, I'm like, okay, we can do something with that. Yeah. And now that I go down a completely different path and maybe it doesn't even align with the same intention that that first sentence originally had when I wrote it, but it sparked something else. And it's just... It, like, yes. like he says, it's the act of showing up and sitting down sure. and doing it so that it's you both. Ha- so that you have one the cumulative just like effort, right? And like you know you can do it. But then also it's just you have so much more so many more ideas to stick to the wall. Yeah. Or so many more ideas that will stick. Ninety nine percent of them might fall, but you're gonna have that one percent that sticks because you've thrown, you know, ninety nine other yeah pieces at it. It does take both because like that that's like that typical you know the genius who's like homeless or something like it's like you still have to show up you can't just be a genius mm-hmm. you know like like goodwill hunting like you can be a janitor and be a genius you yeah. know you have to apply you have to show up and whatever and all that speaking of this book that you're talking about like are you still pursuing writing a book yeah and it's going well um so i'm writing i'm kind of in tandem with two books like right now i'm writing a, a fiction book uh it started as me and Lauren are actually both doing this. It started as a um, sort of just a, a journaling exercise, like writing about my struggles in with relationships or whatever, but through a third party, right? Like pretending it's two separate characters, right? Um, so I've written about 60 pages of a fiction book. Um, I won't get into too much detail yet because it could go a million different ways. Right, right. So but that, I'm just interesting. It's just interesting. That you, like, so you... Did you ever think that you would be writing a book? No, no, right? No, that's just, why I brought it up. It's like, you know, talk about this. Did, did the podcast? Probably not. But like, did it? Did did getting back to things that inspired you to like, you know, go on? Is it the podcast? Is it Observe and Report? Like, it's it's the whole thing that like led you to this decision. How long have you been thinking about doing this? I mean, uh, I've always wanted. Like, I think I've written probably in my journal over the last few years, like I will be a number one New York Times bestselling author, like over over and over again. Like that's definitely my dream. Um, I love, it's like you said, like I love writing so much that if I pursued it full time, I'm so obsessed with it and I enjoy not just the writing process, but I even enjoy like the editing process and like crafting the paragraphs and the arc and stuff that I'm so obsessed with that there's no way I can't be successful. I just, I know like it's, I'm like so confident about it that i need to pursue it it's yes. just like one of those like urges so the writing thing it started when again when i had that week off and i just had right every, i had all day 24 7 all those creative juices were just flowing and one of them happened to be starting to write a fiction book 
and it may not may never end up being anything but it's like i said it's just the act of showing up and maybe there's one character from that that ends up sparking another idea um so that's that's one is the fiction book ultimately i'd, I'd prefer to write a non-fiction book um and I, I just spoke about this with someone today about um you know i enjoy reading so many different uh you know authors of nonfiction and ways of thinking like marcus aurelius was 2000 years ago dale carnegie was 100 years ago ryan holidays today yeah. all these guys are, are writing about common threads of the struggle of humans over time right and i think part of what i enjoy is reading all those different perspectives and points of views on similar things and tying them together in a theme but also doing it from i think there's a lack of a lot of these books are written by people in their 40s 50s or 60s right you don't see a lot of those books written by younger men or women um and that's something i maybe want to come in with the perspective the the self-doubt i have is like well what have i accomplished in my life that you know gives me the right to write a book like that but to me it's really just you know trying to transfer a lot of the knowledge i have in my head from the accumulation of books right and, and giving it to other people that hey i've read you know 500 books in my life but maybe only ideas from 12 of them are actually worth reading and instead of you having to read those 12 books let me put them all into one book mm-hmm. that you can read um so that's yeah that's my my dream obviously is that's to, the dream right yeah you know it's a really it's it's kind of a shame that you know i was reading something today i don't know if you've you know because you're so passionate like you and i are both very passionate readers i'd say and especially you but you know i was reading have you did you happen to read any of the articles that are circulating these days about the alarming number of New York City children who can't read? No. Kyle, it's like a huge fucking problem. Um, really? There's a really big problem right now in the, in the New York City area with kids who can't read. Um, yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's a, the New York City school system, public school system, is the biggest school system in the world. It's 1,800 schools, 1.1 million students. And only 20 of those schools out of the 1,800 meet the minimum criteria for an acceptable amount of the percentage of students that go to the school who are considered proficient readers, at least, you know, decent at reading. So 20 schools out of 1,800 schools have the minimum number for kids who are proficient at reading. So I looked into it a little bit more, and apparently... About 15 years ago, there was all this research that got done into what exactly is going on in the brains of expert readers. Which, by the way, you and I are expert readers, by the way. Like, like we're, technically speaking, you and I look at a word and we don't necessarily sound it out. And we, we, we just recognize, we can look at a sentence, you and I. And skim it And over, just yeah. skim it and get, and regardless, we'll have the information from the sentence without actually going through each word individually. We're considered expert readers, you and I. And, you know... What's going on with kids is, you know, they they thought since that's the way that experts do it, why don't we just bypass all of the phonetics and all that and we'll just teach kids entire words to memorize, which in a way you can't blame them because, well, that's the way experts do it and... You know, again though, it is kind of stupid because why would they think that a five-year-old can do it, right? That's like, really dumb. Yeah. And the and you've seen those paragraphs of like 
English words where the first letter and the last letter are, are in the right spot, mm-hmm. but the letters in the middle are mixed yeah. and in the random spot. And you can, just but, read and you can no still problem, read through yeah. it. A normal reader mm-hmm. can read that at a speed that's kind of slower, but still get through it. Expert readers like you and I could probably just read at the same speed. So that data and that research mixed with the original is like, let's just teach kids the whole word. We'll bypass that whole thing. Maybe they'll learn quicker or whatever. So the, there's two problems with that. One is that just because that's how experts do it doesn't mean that that's how they learn to do it, right? And the second thing is it's turned English into like a form of Chinese in the sense that words are now symbols to kids uh. and they're not really going through the phonetics because the whole point of having an alphabet, like English is an alphabet is an alphabetic language. Like mm. you're supposed to learn whatever 40. Yeah, hooked no- on phonics, man. Right, exactly. Hooked on phonics. You're supposed to learn the 40 or so whatever noises that the alphabet makes, and then you learn to group certain word letters together. And sound it out. And that and sa- sound it out. Remember when we were kids? Sound, sound it, it out. out. Sound it yeah. out. You group little letters together. Those make other like th for th, f for ph. You learn those things, and that's the f- the phonics of it, the phonetics. And then eventually that becomes whole sentences, and then you can you know, read. You can get through words, but you're going through the, the words themselves. It's the whole point of having an alphabetic, alphabetic language. And so now kids are like, you know, they'll come across a word they've never seen before and they have no clue what to do. They can't sound it out. They don't know mm. the, ph- the phonetics of, an, of the alphabet. So I, can't, I couldn't believe this when I read, when I, dude, kids can't read now. That's and it's not, you can't blame COVID because this has been going on for a long time. And mixed with the COVID thing and the homeschooling and all the virtual learning, it's like kids have, dude, there are kids who can't read in New York. Yeah. In 2023, in America. Yeah, I mean, I it, I don't know. I'm not knowledgeable enough on the school system and how, like, the, the teaching techniques that they have nowadays to really speak on what's the best or what's... Well, you know, the the, the mayor talked about this. Eric Adams addressed it. He's I like... I mean, Ooh. clearly that's a problem. I, I mean, <laughs> I... And there's also the value of, like, understanding uh, other languages, too. Like, I yeah. think taking Spanish in high school, and I think I have a decent grasp of Latin, too. Like knowing the root of certain words yes. too is so helpful to like right. know you know there's a, there's so many commonalities obviously between Latin was the basis for for Spanish and then Spanish uh, was the influence for a lot of American or English words rather um, so knowing multiple languages too but also knowing like English has certain you know sounds that don't exist in other right in other languages but I mean it's so that actually. Right. Uh, I didn't know that about the reading levels in schools. But Interesting, right? It's but terrible. When you asked me about books and I said I was talking about that with someone today, uh, I got connected with someone actually who works for a foundation that talks to young men um, coming out of high school and into college who are struggling, um, whether with, you know, uh, with education, just like they're, they're behind in learning or they're getting into drugs or um, just can't really find their way in life. And this person approached me. Um, I won't get into it yet because I don't really know what exactly I'm, my involvement's going to be. But they approached me um, and saying like, "Hey, like you know, a lot of the stuff on your blog is kind of talking to a lot of these things yeah. about you know the struggles of young men, and we think you know the value of reading um, the books and the knowledge you gain from books is something that needs to be shared with with young men who are who are in these positions and." I was like, absolutely. Like, I'll jump through hoops to do that. Like, that's the shit I'm dream come true about. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I mean, I know like how many different types of struggles there are between education. Um, you know, there's drugs, there's relationships, there's, there's social media, there's addiction problems, there's fatherless or motherless homes. And, you know, there's uh, what I was talking to him about was it's amazing how regardless of how high status you are, right? If you looked at me, if these kids looked at me, I came into their school or whatever, they'd be like, hey, here's a wealthy, you know, uh, or, or success, mildly successful, you know, 30-year-old. He, You know, he didn't have to have any struggles in life, but it's like, well, outwardly, no. Like, I didn't really have any struggles. But inwardly, my vulnerabilities are probably the same as everyone in this room. We're all human you beings. You know what I mean? We're all human. And, and that's why I got talking about, like, Marcus Aurelius. I'm like, this guy was the emperor of Rome, one of the right. most powerful people on the earth. And his journal entries from 2000 years ago Say are the, the same, same shit that me or you or the CEO of, of a bank would be writing about, about struggling to get out under the covers because it's so comfy in there. And why, you know, why go out and work hard today? And, you know, there's a great f- famous photograph of a homeless man um, spray painting carpe diem on a brick wall. Seize the day. And it's like, does that apply to him even? Yeah. It doesn't matter. It applies to, it's human. Right. Seize the day. Like, it doesn't matter if you're Steve Jobs, God himself, or some homeless guy. It's an individual struggle. That's everyone's story. Mm-hmm. Go on. No, I mean, you hit the yeah. nail on the head. No, it's- but it's it's so horrible that that's the education that's going on in the city. It's at the same time, I mean, you know, uh, these kids, uh, you know, they're being... You know, we got into this because we're passionate about this, right? And like, I read that and I was like, man, so the kids are going through life right now without, like, you know, we know how to sound it out. We learned a different way of learning how to read it. There's a difference. One's called full word learning, and the, and what we learned is um, balanced literacy. That's what it's called. Our process of learning the phonetics and you know getting every letter down to its letter and it's and it's I'm sorry it's sound and all that yeah like think about the word like subtlety right like I came across like, the word perspicacity the other day I'd never seen it written <laughs> yeah. down but I got through it yeah. I was like perspicacity okay perspicacity got like I was able to learn the word but these kids now and what's what's what I just mentioned that intelligence is like a crapshoot there are some kids now who are so intelligent regardless of this you know educational uh, approach that they're f- getting so good at that that they're fooling the teachers into thinking that they know how to read oh. because they, they they can memorize a million things and their parents are like, hey, you know, I, I put you know a book in front of my kid. He can't read it. And they're like, you're out of your mind. He's a genius. He's been reading every day in school. And it's like, yeah, because he knows those words. Mm-hmm. He can't find... It's such an interesting little there's, problem. There's not enough value put on the meta skill of learning how to learn, too. Right. I think a lot, of, a lot of school and, and I think a lot of guys... I, like, my high school was so challenging and they demanded so much of us that we actually ended up, like, more so hacking our way to passing tests than actually learning. Mm-hmm. And you, you do this, like, you know, rote memorization of certain things and, like, you know what you need to know for the test. Right. So instead of actually learning it, through experience or through applicable, you know, discussion in class, you, you kind of just figure out, like kids are smart, right? Kids are savvy. They're going to figure out ways to do the least amount of work, right? And they're smart with that. So it's like teach them how to be efficient and economical in how they learn because that is the skill that they'll use for the rest of their life. Totally. Like I'm not going to learn anything by hacking my way to p- get a 97 on that test 
because in 20 years when I need to learn something and I can't hack it, like, what do I do? But if you teach kids at a young age with skills like reading to learn how to learn, so break it down into the, the micro, right? Start right. at the smallest exactly. possible stage, like with the, with the, the cr sound, right? Start at the small and then slowly expand to the big yeah. and do it through, you know, intentional practice problem. each day. Like that's, it's like learning guitar, learning drums, right? You start with like going really slow. Fundamentals. Fundamentals, right? So, and that's no, how you learn it, anything. It's the problem is, you know, it's the same people. It's the same thing with bullying and self-esteem and participation trophies. And it, and it also, sorry, to, know, cut, sorry to cut you no, off. No, no, it's okay. But it also applies to self-worth. Like if you know you're competent enough to learn something and you, you did it through hard work over the course of a few months, now that also attributes to a higher self-worth. Yeah. You know like, oh, I worked with my teacher i put in the hard work and i i learned it like yeah. i learned i put it in my own effort and right. I got the rewards of my own effort and now i have a higher self-worth because i know i'm not doing the shameful act of just like cheating or like hacking through it exactly it's it's that's what's going on in school is like they're just because it's hard and to be clear i also did cheat a lot in high school yeah so. well we all did but like it's, <laughs> it's that it's, wasn't it's, perfect it's, it's 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 of course but like it's it's about the fact that the education um, the faculties now are 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 taking away the struggles in every sense. No bullying, self esteem, participation trophies. You don't have to learn the fundamentals; just memorize the words. Like it's like, what are you? What are we doing? Like getting bullied is when you say, "I got bullied, dude." You know, like we 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 kind of prepared a couple of questions for this episode or whatever. And one of the questions I was going to ask you is, "What are you proud of?" And when you inevitably asked me the same question, I was going to say... What are you proud of, Keith? Right. Well, I was going to say, you know, the fact that when I was a kid, and you wouldn't know it from, you know, all the things, all the times we've had over the years, but I used to be really fucking shy. I really was. And I never felt comfortable being extroverted, outspoken, funny in front of other people besides my family because I knew you guys liked me and shit. But I have this super deep fear about like, hey, is everyone going to like me? I don't want to look like an asshole, whatever. But I was in school and I was kind of getting like picked on, you know, a little bit like, yeah, not not like in a beat up way, but just dismissed. Shut up, whatever. And you but regardless, you go to the lunchroom, you sit at the fucking lunch table that you weren't necessarily invited to. And you open your mouth, you introduce yourself. You have to put your you have to be courageous. You have to, you know, lay it on the line. Here's my ass. You know, you, you can you can either you can either stab me or you can embrace it. Like, what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. You know, and you got to have that like bravery to you. And kids now, you know, because there's no bullying, you can't be mean, you can't tell anyone they can't sit here. Like, I'm not trying to be like an old boomer about it, but it all goes down to the fundamentals. Like, you have to build up these skills, and it's manifesting now since the helicopter parent or whatever took over about 15, 20 years ago. Kids literally can't read. Because they never learned the hard, it's the hard way, but it's the right way. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah, and you, you also have to make it fun, right? Like, yeah. forcing kids to read Catcher in the Rye. Ugh. Like, hey, it's actually a good book. I never read it. <laughs> I, I'm, it's uh, not that bad. I'm trying to think of a better example for a bad book. Raisin in the Sun. Ugh. Yeah, like, what a drag. Forcing kids to read books that are. In my opinion, when you're in like eighth grade, you shouldn't be reading Who some of those cares? books. You know, like you don't get like let the you kids know? read Harry Potter. Right. Like let the, the kids read the read book. Read Choke by Palinuk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> Guy gets his asshole sucked out through a fucking vacuum yeah, pump like you, in you, the pool. You want kids to like read books that they enjoy until they enjoy reading books. You know what I mean? 
Like, gotta make them. You gotta, you gotta make give them it, something. And I, you know? yeah, it's another cliche of it's not challenging. Like, but like you have to make it something that doesn't just suck, right? right. You have to make it enjoyable. You have to make them be want to be. You have to make them want to be part of the process, right? And reading shouldn't have to feel like homework all right. the time. Um, and hey, if you're an inner city teacher out there, like I get it. It's tough. You know, and you just want to go to work and go home and just teach the kids what the curriculum says. But like, look, people can't read. <laughs> We're getting to a point where it's like, what the fuck are we doing? It's 2023, Kyle. Yeah. The mayor is addressing the fact that kids can't read. So wait, and I'm changing subjects back to the question of though, what are you most proud of? So you, you talked about being bullied as a kid. It, well, was, it, was it overcoming that shyness kind of? It was... It, it's just a weird question, you know. What am I most proud of? I mean, I have a daughter, I have a wife. I oh, have, not you know most, but what are you proud of? In general? Yeah, I mean, like, I guess in the context of like, um, you know, when I think about myself as an individual, what am I proud of? Um, I'm proud of the fact that I developed my personality at a young age because I was shy, and I went through life being shy, and I was like, I'm proud that I had the wherewithal to go, fuck that. I'm not going to go through life that way. I'm going to have some courage and act out and see if I get accepted or not for being the way I am. And I'm glad that I did that because a lot of people don't do that. They're too scared, you know, and I'm I'm just proud that that, because like that expanded into this show and you and I being so close and my friends and my family and my wife and my daughter, like, you know, you break out of your shell, I'm kind of proud that I did that because not everyone does that. That's awesome. Yeah. What about you? What are you most proud of? What are you proud of? You can stand in front of it and go, look at that shit. I think about it in two ways. There's what do I intrinsically feel proud of that I did myself? And there's there's a number of things, right? Like you can go down the list of Things that I have accomplished, right? Like I, uh, and through hard work and through effort, right? Like I used to be a fat kid. I lost weight and got into really good shape. I and I, all about that. And you, I, you ran, were fat. I ran triathlons. I ran a marathon. Um, you know, I climbed the corporate ladder in, in a sense and worked for successful companies and I'd done a lot there. And now I'm a volunteer firefighter. So like you look at that on paper. And I've also have started a blog and, you know, I'm writing and do freelance and do a podcast with, with my cousin and like all those things on paper are really cool. I'm proud of them. I'm proud to tell people about this. Me things. too. But the, the, I think the more important way I look at it is there's this, I forget who said it. It might've been George Washington or some, one of those, you know, <laughs> one of those guys that <laughs> one of those quotes guys. all get attributed to, but it's <laughs> the way you should look at life. DJ is, Khaled, maybe. The way you should look at life is. What do you want it to say on your epitaph, and work backwards from there? Oh, so wow, and wow, how have I never heard that? Yeah, I don't know who said it. I, I can look it up, but I think of like my 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 grandpa Brennan's like funeral, right? And it's all of the things that no one is saying. Oh, he accomplished this, and he, everyone's just saying like how good of a person he was, how much they impacted the, their life, how they felt when he was around, right? And I think that's what I ultimately want to be proud of when I do end up passing away is was I was I a good man to to my family and my friends to my wife to my eventual kids like was I 
someone who made a lasting positive impact on people's lives. Are there going to be a lot of people who show up to my funeral? And you ever think about that? You ever think about your yeah. funeral? And what I, do you think they're going to say? That's what I if mean, you died tomorrow. What do you think people would say? Oh, man, I, don't know I mean, it's like such a horrible that. thing to talk. But I think that's part of like what, yeah, what we're doing right now is like, yeah, people will say like, look, these two guys were so passionate about sharing, like wisdom and knowledge and like they just right. were voracious about sharing it with the world like it wasn't out of like we're not doing this for money we're doing this like we both worked we both worked like i worked we today we both woke up at what 5 a.m this morning like we worked a full day and we ate dinner we barely saw our wife and your kid and came here and we're doing this and like we're not making a dime off it i think that is something that people will hopefully find really you know, lasting about us is that we want to create things that, that last. And maybe no one ever, maybe 10 people listen to this, but like hopefully two of those 10 people maybe heard something really insightful. Maybe they heard that epitaph quote and we're like, yeah. that's really cool. And that's I think it. it. <laughs> you know, I'm I, happy with that. I'm honestly. proud of that too. I'm proud that we had, cause a lot of people want to do this too. You know, people don't admit it, but they do mm. and they do and they, and they don't, you know, and, and we did and fuck that. You know, because we were like, let's just do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's like you sitting at the table with kids when you were shy. Right. What? Right. Like the first day you weren't all of a sudden an outgoing guy, but you do it enough times. You just, you push through it. Right. You, you keep showing up. I remember I, one time. I mean, that's the theme of this podcast. You just keep showing up, right? Just keep showing up. Yeah. And someone's got to do it. <laughs> you know, someone's got to. Someone's got to do the observe and rapport podcast. Of course. But like, 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 like Rick Rubin, it's the creativity. The idea happened. Right. It was there. It was this thing. And I, I, I texted you and I was like, what do you think? And you were like, sure. And I was like, okay, I'll come over whenever with this and that and the other thing. And the first episode completely shit the bed. You remember? And, yeah. We didn't even get to record it and because also, we look fucked at this. up. Look at this. We, can't, we thought we were going to do a panel of questions today. Oh, yeah. Podcast. And Keith showed up at my door today and he goes, so how do you want to do the podcast? Do you want to do questions? And we were both just like, no, fuck it. Let's just sit down, hit record and yeah. see what happens. Because there's hopefully no, that you guys enjoy it. I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully you maybe do. Maybe questions are actually are probably better. Maybe we'll maybe we'll get to the questions next time. Yeah. But um I'm glad that we did this, pal. Again. For yeah. the eighth time. Just keep showing up. Just keep showing up. That's the just keep showing up. That's it. Love it. All right, All right man. Thanks, That's buddy. it. Good night. <laughs>